Well, we're in week four of our series um, called Kill the Spider. And over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at how to identify our cobwebs and then how to locate the spider. Today, we want to talk about how to corner the spider. But first, let's define them again. A spider is an agreement that we have made with lies the enemy plans in our minds and in our hearts. And those lies sound like, you're not good enough. You're a failure. Your life has no purpose. You're worthless. You're not loved. And when we begin to believe these lies, we search for ways to comfort ourselves and to escape the pain that they bring. We search for medicators. And these are our cobwebs. And they bring us false comfort to the lies that we believe about ourselves or that we believe about God. And they show up in our lives in various ways. Sometimes they show up as, as addictions or pornography or binge eating or anger, gossip, uh, workaholism. You fill in the blank. What is it for you? And we sabotage ourselves where our spiders are concerned. We are, after the one, we are, after all, the ones who let them in. And we allow them to start spinning their webs of deceit and destruction. And so in order to drown out the voice of the enemy, we need to tune in to the loving voice of God. We need to hear what God has to say about us. God wants to get rid of your cobwebs and your spiders even more than you do. But he will not do it without your consent. And you cannot do it without his help. Now, a lot of us, we just don't want to deal with it. It's hard work. We don't want to do the work. Or sometimes uh, I hear people say, you know what, I, I've dealt with this for 40 years, 50 years. I, I don't want to change. Why should I? Folks, just last week, a person came into my office and shared about a, a spider that she killed in her life that began some 60 years ago and the newfound freedom that she now has experienced in Christ. We are, it is never, ever too late for us to change. But if you do want to change, you have to corner the spider. And there are two weapons that God gives us to do that. One is prayer, and the other is the Word of God. These are the two disciplines that we need in order to identify and to replace the lies with which we have made an agreement. And the first weapon is prayer. You see, we, we can learn how to listen to God's voice. And when you go to God in prayer, turning down the volume of the noise around you and becoming still long enough for him to make his presence and his truth known, you will be setting yourself up to hear him and to experience freedom from what has you bound. Great story in Exodus 14, one of my favorites, Moses and the Israelites have left Egypt. After 400 years of, of slavery, they are finally free, and they are giddy with delight. So grateful for the miracles that God has performed to obtain their release. But two days later, Pharaoh changes his mind. The Bible says 
he says, what have I done that I have let Israel go from serving us? And so Pharaoh made his chariot ready and led his army out to bring them back. And we find the story in chapter 14, beginning in verse 10. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were the Egyptians advancing on them. And in great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. And they said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt? Let us alone and let us serve the Egyptians. For it would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. But Moses said to them, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to keep still. Just keep still. When the people of Israel saw Pharaoh and his army marching after them, they were terrified. I mean, fear dominated the moment. They were sure that God was not going to help them out of this hopeless situation. And they looked around for somebody to blame, and, and Moses becomes the focal point of their anger. Were there no graves in Egypt that you have brought us out here to die in this miserable place? They saw no way out. An army was before them, the Red Sea behind them. God had abandoned them in their time of need. And maybe you felt that way. So discouraged. So powerless. So hopeless. That you felt like giving up. And God seems nowhere to be found. That's exactly how the people of Israel felt. God had promised them freedom, but all they could see were the murky waters of the Red Sea and the armies of Pharaoh. And what was their response? They want to go back. They want to go back to their past. A certain past, folks, is, is better than an uncertain future. In fact, they're on the verge of failure. But instead of allowing fear to dominate the situation, the moment, in verse 13, Moses says, don't be afraid. Now, does that sound ridiculous or not? The most powerful army in the world is about to annihilate you. And Moses says, don't be afraid. Man, it's easy for me to be controlled by my fears. I got a few fears. Maybe you do too. George Washington was scared to death of being buried alive. Richard Nixon was terrified of, of hospitals. Uh, Napoleon was, was afraid of cats. Cats are evil. I mean, that's true, <laughs> aren't they? And Satan whispers to us, you're no good. You're hopeless. You can't change. Who do you think you are? Man, the way of faith seems ridiculous sometimes. But Moses says, stand firm. And I think what's interesting about this story is that God led them to this place. 
God led them to this place knowing that this was going to happen. It almost seems like it's a test to see if they would stand firm or if they would fall apart. And I think sometimes he does that, sometimes it, to strengthen our faith in him. I have seen so many good things come out of adversity in people's lives. And what I've discovered is that Jesus does not always protect us from difficult experiences. But folks, he always is there and walks through it with us. Reminds me of, of, of the prophet Zechariah in chapter 4. He says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You see, some of us are trying to corner our spiders by our own power, by our own might. And our story from Exodus reminds us that we cannot do that. And so when there's no way out, don't be afraid. Stand firm. Be still. Listen to the words of God and allow him to fight the spider for you. And as you get still, ask God where that spider is. Where did it begin? What is the lie that you've come to believe? Like many people, I struggle with anxiety from time to time. And usually I know what's causing it. And once that, that period passes, you know, I'm, I'm fine again. But sometimes I just have no idea why. Sometimes this dark shadow just descends and sucker punches me and, and leaves me feeling breathless and, and alone and hopeless. I got tired of it. And so finally, some 20 years ago, I, I went to see a therapist friend of mine and we spent several sessions working on it. And, and I thought, okay, I'm fine now. And I checked that off my list. I love to check things off the list, you know. I wasn't fine. Oh, he helped me clean out some cobwebs, but the spider is still there. So a couple years ago, I shared this with a trusted pastor, a friend of mine, and she offered to help me, to pray with me, and we met in my office one day, and she just began to pray. She said, come, Holy Spirit, and, and take Mark to a place where he feels safe and protected. And I have a place in my mind where I go to when I want to meet up with the Lord, when I just want to be quiet and still and, and talk with the Lord. I, I have this image on my mind. This is going to sound really weird to you, and it is weird, but, you know, it's just a big wheat field. There's this big creek that runs right through the middle of it, and there's a, a little bench there, and Jesus and I, we, we sit there together sometimes when I just need to be still and quiet. She said, nod your head when you're there, and I nodded. She said, is Jesus there with you? And I said, yes, he is. What's he saying? What's he doing? Nothing. We're just sitting here. And then she prayed. She said, Jesus, show Mark where this darkness comes from. And immediately I'm in my parents' house. It's some 25 years earlier. It's the day my mother died of cancer. And she's in the hospital bed. She's in the living room. And I even can hear her labored breathing and my friends she sees the expression on my face change and she says where are you and I tell her she said what are you feeling and I said incredibly alone she said look around do you see anybody else there with you no I'm by myself can you see Jesus and I'm wondering where he is and all of this mess. Wondering 
why my mother had to go through all of this pain, wondering why my poor father had to watch her suffer, and I wondered why God didn't help, why we prayed so hard for a miracle, nothing happened, and where was God through it all? And then, the aha moment. There it was, my spider, the lie. Grief is funny. Everybody deals with it in their own way. My way to deal with grief and loss is to ignore it, push it down, ignore the feelings of disappointment that God didn't do more. But grief won't be ignored, and it finds a way to make its presence felt in our lives. But here's where I discovered that if we ask God to reveal to us that birthplace of our spider, that lie that holds us hostage, God will reveal it to us. And so I had to relearn that truth all over again, that God is always with us, that God never leaves us, God never forsakes us. He is, after all, the good shepherd, and he knows his own, and he loves us. God will speak truth if we will listen In fact, in John's gospel, Jesus says about the work of the Holy Spirit, whom he calls the advocate, he says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you, but if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he'll prove the world to be wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. And I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. And he will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. And so God gives to each and every one of us the Holy Spirit to speak God's truth to us, that you are loved, that you are worth something, simply because you are created in his image, that I am always with you, that you are my child. You see, God wants to talk to us about our lives, and he has given you and me the capacity to listen to him through his Holy Spirit who lives in us. All the equipment that we need to hear from God, we already have. We just need to learn how to listen. Now, I know that can be dangerous. Probably one of the most dangerous, misunderstood, misused, and abused phrases in the Christian community is, God told me. Whenever somebody says to me, God told me, red flags immediately begin to to flash. I'm a skeptic. I have to, you know, I I admit it, I am. Even when God says something to me, I'm always like, okay, was this God? And I test it. I test it against Scripture. I, I test it with my friends. This is what I think I heard God say to me. But that doesn't mean that I don't believe God speaks. I do believe it. He does. And I wonder sometimes why I'm not open to the possibility of God speaking. I wonder sometimes if it's my pride. I think, you know what, I, I can handle this issue on my own. I don't need anybody's help. I can figure it out. I don't need God's help. 
And I think sometimes it's fear that closes my mind. I'm, a, I'm afraid of what, of what God might say. What if God asks me to do something I don't want to do? Maybe something that's too hard. And I find sometimes that bitterness can close my mind to God speaking. You get hurt in life by someone, and, and what do we do? We blame God for it. You become mad at God, and your heart becomes cold and hard, and we turn away from the only person who can help us. I see this all the time. And let me say, I, I'm sorry that you're hurt, and God is sorry too. But God's not responsible. Folks, don't ever let somebody else's sin make you bitter against God. Let God heal that bitterness. So we have to be receptive. We've got to be willing. We have to be open. We have to be eager. We have to be ready. We, have to, we need to read through the Bible and, and see that God speaks to people who are open and, and willing and receptive to hear. And he will teach us about ourselves. But, but God can get through even if we're not listening. Paul was on his way to arrest Christians and throw them in jail when God knocked him off his, his horse, blinded him with a bright light, and, and spoke to him out of the sky. I hope that's not the way that God has to speak to you because that's pretty hard to ignore. But sometimes he will get our attention. Every once in a while, God's hit me over the head with a two-by-four just to get me to listen up. We need to eliminate those distractions. It's so hard uh, to hear from God when our mind is, is crowded with other thoughts and, and worries and concerns and anxieties. When, when your mind is filled with your plan, your to-do list, what you've got to do next, what you haven't done yet, what you should have done but didn't do list. It's hard to hear from God when your mind is filled with your plans and your dreams and your ambitions and, and your activities. We need to sit down. We need to shut up. We need to get quiet. We need to pray. God, I can't figure this out on my own. What I've tried hasn't worked. God, I'm going to listen to you. I'm going to open up my life to the possibility that you can help me, that you can guide me to that spider in my life, and that you can speak to me today. If you are listening to the anthem today, you, you heard the words from, from David, from Psalm 139. Listen to, to how he prays. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and, and know my anxious thoughts. Any of you have anxious thoughts this morning? Verse 24, and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. David is inviting God to, to examine his, his heart and, and to examine his mind. You see, the mind is where our thought life is. It's where our reasoning and our logic takes place. Several weeks ago, I, I was with my life group, and we were talking about how oftentimes our, our minds can trip us up. Several, several of us shared that, that when we're getting ready for sleep, when we're almost ready to, to lay our pillows down, on, on the, or our head down the pillows, that all these, suddenly these negative thoughts began to stream into our minds. These, these lies began to, to form in our thought life. It's a battleground. And David knew this. He knew that's where our, our actions begin. But David also knows how important the heart is. You see, the ancients saw the heart as the seat of our emotions. The, the heart can be glad. The heart can be sad. It can be troubled. It can be discouraged. It, it can become envious. 
And so David is surrendering both his heart and his mind to, to God's scrutiny. And I think this is incredibly courageous. He's asking God for feedback. <laughs> Something most of us are too afraid to do. David is being totally transparent with God. No hiding. David wants those offensive things exposed. He wants God's searchlight in those dark recesses of his life. See, I think a lot of times those spiders are like weeds. Uh, they can choke the life out of us. During the summer months, I'm obsessed with my yard, and I'm at war with the weeds. I carry around when I'm outside a, a little bottle of weed killer and whenever I see them I, I spray them. It makes me feel so good inside and, and if I'm really angry I get the weed digger and I dig them up by the roots and I yank them out. I hate weeds. And then I seed and I fertilize and I water and I pamper my grass because I know that the better yard that I have the less weeds will find a place to take root. But a weed? A weed takes no pampering. In fact, weeds are a sign of neglect that we're not paying attention. And as soon as I stop caring for my yard, the weeds begin to grow. I mean, you ignore them and then just watch them grow. And it's the same thing in our own lives. Whenever we neglect time with God, Neglect time listening to God. The weeds will grow into your life and they will strangle the life out of you. And I have a hunch that God has been trying to speak to us all week, but we can't hear him because we're never quiet. And then he speaks to us his truth through the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us, but we're too busy to listen. Now, it's one thing to listen to the voice of God. It's another thing to do it. And so the Apostle James writes this in chapter 1. He says, don't fool yourselves into thinking that you're a listener when you're anything but letting the word go in one ear and out the other. He says, act upon what you hear. So God will not only speak truth to us through the Holy Spirit, God will also point us to the truth in his word. Everything we need to know about God and our relationship with him is found in the scriptures. God's word of truth will always, always take down the father of lies. In Ephesians 6, Paul calls God's word the sword of the spirit, the one offensive weapon that we have at our disposal. And folks, when we get the word of God into our hearts, it will absolutely change us from one state of grace to another, and it will equip us to live web-free lives. I believe that God is ready to corner our spiders, but we need to be ready to do what he says. We need to be ready to say, God, I am willing to do whatever you ask me to do. Search me, God. Know my heart. Search me and know my mind. Folks, cleaning up cobwebs and hunting down spiders is risky stuff. And it's hard. And it involves a battle. But trust me, it'll be worth it to gain true freedom. And the important thing to remember is that you will lose that battle 
if you fight it with your own might. It's only by listening to the voice of God and believing in his truth that will destroy the work of the enemy. Next week, we're going to learn how to kill that spider. But for now, let's ask God to help us corner it. Let's bow our heads. Lord Jesus, I, I thank you for being here in this moment, in this place. And I invite you to come in and to show me that place where my heart was shattered. Come in and show me the place where I was deeply wounded. Come in and show me the place where I made an agreement with a lie that has kept me bound. Help me to listen to your truth and to say no to the lie. Amen.